Welcome to The Art of Significance with your host, Hall of Fame speaker, New York Times bestselling author, university professor, gold record songwriter, and award-winning athlete, Dan Clark. Get ready for engaging discussions with some of the most influential people in the world who will impart their wisdom, stories, and inspiration on why and how to achieve the level beyond success. Now here's your host, Dan Clark. Welcome, welcome from all over the world, especially my friends in the military. We love you. We honor you. Today's show is another one of the ones that are going to go down in the annals of history as far as the most interesting man in the world. You know, we watch these TV commercials and they try to entice us to buy this specific kind of beer and they say with some thick accent, this is the most bu- the, the most interesting man in the world. And I'm like, I completely disagree. Yeah, I'd like to throw my hat in the ring, but I'll tell you what, our, our guest today, I'm having him on for the whole show, the whole hour, because Kurt Dowsett is not just a, a friend of mine, but he's an American actor, a celebrated musician, an international public speaker and an award-winning television host of programs such as Sci-Fi's suspenseful game show, Exit America's Lost Treasures on the National Geographic Channel, and Hazard Pay on Discovery Channel, where he experienced everything from being a UFC fighter to a venomous snake extractor. No, he's a handsome dog. Don't get him mixed up with with the dude who hosts programs like Odd Jobs or, you know, Where's Waldo? This dude's legit and has lived a lifetime every single day. But before I continue on with his resume and bring him him on the air, let me just talk to you for a moment about, about life. You know, you hear me say almost on every single show, which I think redundancy is powerful, that we become the average of the five people we associate with the most. And my little tagline has always been, which means we must be willing to pay any price and travel any distance to associate with extraordinary human beings. This does not just mean face-to-face, belly-to-belly interactions and interviews. This means tuning into podcasts, tuning into radio shows like this, going the extra mile to associate and listen to, to speeches, recorded speeches, going back in on demand and finding podcasts that help you expand your mind and inspire you to be better today than you were yesterday. Well, Kurt Dowsett is one of those guys who, when you watch his show, he answers three questions, no matter what show. And he actually, he and I actually met when he was doing improvisation comedy at his own comedy club called Sports Comedy or Comedy Sports so he's just naturally funny. But the cool thing is, is when we met doing a corporate gig, he was teaching leaders in a corporate setting how to be more creative, how to be improvisational during meetings to, to validate leadership, coaching, sales 101, which is the only place from which a person can grow is where he or she is. We have to go where they are physically and emotionally. Only there can we gently invite them to improve. Only there can we gently invite them to trust us that we can take them to the next level. So as, as a comic, as a, as a student of humor, of punchlines, knowing that the hook 
is what sells the song, knowing that we must edit so every word pays its own way. Kurt Dowsett has figured out a way to build himself from the inside out into this classic Renaissance man who has taken communication to the next level. I say that because I know he's listening and I'm trying to suck up to my bro, but I also say that because too many of us feel like we're stuck and we allow our limiting beliefs to hold us back. So my promise to you today is when we go to our first commercial break, I want you to gather your friends, your coworkers, your family members together. And if you must, you know, get this on demand later on as a podcast, I'm telling you, my friends, Kurt Dowsett will inspire all of us as he answers the three questions that we all need answers to in every single setting. Number one, why should I listen to you? Obviously, you'll learn a little bit more about his background and his fascinating life. Question number two, can I do it too with my limits, my limitations, my weaknesses, and yes, my strengths, with my history? And he's here to tell you that yes, you can. It's not the size of the dog in the fight, it's the size of the fight in the dog. He lives in this giant mansion, he has this gorgeous wife, he has this unbelievable family of five children. He is so balanced and so well-respected in our community, and yet when you meet him, he's just your regular Joe who had a giant dream, who had the work ethic and the discipline to take his passion, to take his dreams and do whatever it took to turn them into reality. Remember that as I interview him. And the third question we always want to know is, okay, so I believe you, you have credibility. I now know I can do it too, but now give me some steps. What must I do next to have my own television shows? What must I do next to own my own business? What must I do next to make sure my family is first and that I put my spouse, my significant other, my children uh, ahead and above and beyond anyone else? So we will go to a commercial break to, uh, to, to get you to think about this while I bring Kurt on my program, but I don't want to take any of his precious time away from him. So as we go to commercial break, listen in to the rest of his condensed and consolidated bio. Kurt, he has a dramatic background as well. His dramatic appearances on television include CSI Miami, Navy Criminal Investigative Service, Phil of the Future, Everwood, the Disney Channel telefilm Go, telefilm Go figure, Saints and Soldiers, which was nominated for two Independent Spirit Awards, Airborne Creed, and a, a film that my daughter actually was in with him called Adventures of Food Boy, where Kurt played opposite of Lucas Gabriel. And in his spare time, if you can imagine, which is the, the gist of what I'm really going to talk to Kurt about, Kurt travels to Europe get this, to track down the origins of the world's most secret societies. Yeah, back to full circle of what I was talking about. We must be willing to pay any price and travel any distance to associate with extraordinary human beings and investigate the things that illuminate our imagination, that trigger our creativity, that actually allow our passion to come forth so that we wake up early and stay up late focused on some destination. Kurt Dowsett epitomizes what I'm trying to teach the world 
And it's an honor for me to have him on this show. So you think about it. He is curious about why people think the way they think, how the most creative and superior thought leaders of our generation and of generations past think, and then he's willing to share the secrets with us. So hold on to your seats, my friends. You've probably heard of Dan Brown, and maybe you read the book Da Vinci Code, or at least saw the magnificent movie starring Tom Hanks unveiling some of these secret societies. Well, Kurt, as I said, travels all over the world, especially to Europe, to track down the origins of the world's most secret societies, Uh, the Rosicrucians in Germany, the Order of the Rose in France, the Roslyn Chapel in Scotland, and most recently in the south of France, Kurt has tracked down the origins of the Knights Templar. Yeah, that sounds familiar. And he's currently searching for the tomb of Mary Magdalene. How cool is this guy? Don't go anywhere. I'll be back in a moment with Kurt Dowsett, American actor, musician, speaker, and award-winning television host. Back in a moment. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. If you're an event meeting planner like me, you have two ongoing challenges. You can't afford to have a speaker who bombs. And when you do have an amazing speaker, who in the world do you bring into next year's meeting that will top them? Well, you never have to worry again. Book Dan Clark. Dan Clark is one of the most incredible human beings on the planet. He's been named one of the top 10 speakers in the world. He's known for customizing his speech around your meeting theme. So your people leave with benefits that last a lifetime. Here's the number, 1-800-676-1121. Or just visit danclark.com. Become a member of VoiceAmerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit VoiceAmerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. You're listening to The Art of Significance featuring your host, Dan Clark. If you want to join in on this week's discussion, give us a call at 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop Dan a line via email to danclark at xmission.com. 
Now back to the Art of Significance. Here again is Dan Clark. Welcome back, my friends, especially those outside the country. As I said earlier, my guest is Kurt Dowsett. Kurt, you don't understand, but I want to just brag on myself. That music intro and exit is me on my guitar back on my very first album recorded before you were born back in the 1983, 82, 83 area. Isn't that crazy? That is awesome. Um, And it was well after I was born. Thank you. Absolutely. And ladies and gentlemen, you've heard me talk when I talk about music. There's only 12 notes in music. Every song ever written was written with the same 12 notes. And if you write the song in English, there's only 26 letters in the English alphabet. So the difference between a hit songwriter and a lousy songwriter is passion, creativity, and imagination. I believe with all of my heart that the difference between an extraordinary human being and an average Joe is passion, creativity, and imagination. The difference between an extraordinary parent or spouse and just someone average who just takes their relationship for granted is passion, creativity, and imagination. Kurt's an amazing father and dad. And you know, from the lyrics of one of my songs, any male can be a father, but it takes a special man to be a dad. So, ladies and gentlemen, as I said earlier before we took our first commercial break, it's an honor to have my buddy, Kurt Dowsett. Welcome, bro. Thank you so much, Dan. Jeez, uh, that was quite the intro. I, I feel amazing, actually, now. Well, you know what's so cool is that that's what people say behind your back. You know, I love going to banquets and awards banquets because the reality is we're celebrating what people say behind your back. And if you get an amazing award, if you're acknowledged in the community, if you're if you're celebrated, it's basically because of what people are saying behind your back. And you just have a great reputation on stage, off stage. Let's begin with uh, my promise that it's not the size of the dog in the fight, it's the size of the fight and the dog, that you really do have dreams for sale just when people talk to you and when they see one of your shows. Tell me about your 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 past growing up how did you what kind of relationships did you have in your growing up years that triggered your passion creativity and imagination allowed you to believe that you could do anything because you already have oh boy um i hope it's okay if i cry uh on this show uh it's not often i go back to my childhood and talk about things um some of the things that I, I mean, I, I look back and I kind of see where I'm from and the path that I've, I've taken seems obvious to me. Uh, in hindsight, nothing was obvious in the moment. Um, but some of the things that, that happened uh, to me or, you know, uh, in, in my life, uh, I realize now were some of the determining factors in the choices I made at the moment and the directions I went. But some of them, Early on, I'll just touch briefly on a couple. Um, uh, sports was my life. I was this little, short, fast kid. Uh, I had huge dreams of playing football for BYU, Brigham Young University in Utah, as well as hopefully going on and playing football for the Raiders. I was small. I was quick. But uh, there were a couple things I could do really well, and that was kick and catch the ball. So that was kind of where I was headed. And then when I was... 12, I was diagnosed with um, a heart condition, and it actually happened during a soccer game down in Southern California, where I'm from, and I woke up on the sidelines 
I didn't look good. I started feeling worse and worse. So they took me to the emergency room. And this was um, the soccer championships just as football was ending and baseball was getting started. So I was involved in all three of those sports. Doctor comes out and tells me, I'm done. You're done the rest of your life. Um, this condition is normally found in infants. Since you're getting it at the beginning of puberty, you're going to have it the rest of your life. And what else do you do? What else are your hobbies? Um, it took me a couple of weeks to process that. I remember just laying on the, I was 12, just laying on the couch, uh, coming back from the emergency room thinking, uh, I'm going to either die or I can't ever move or be physical again, which kind of felt like the same thing at 12 since that was my life. And it was shortly after that, that I was heavily involved in music as well. Uh, not as popular as the sports per se, but, uh, as enjoyable for me. And it was at that moment, I think when my life took a huge, uh, shift into a completely different trajectory, which would lead me into like the, the next three phases of my life. But music became a, a focus of mine. At the time I played one instrument, the clarinet, again, not, not the biggest stud to walk campus carrying a clarinet around. Um, then I started learning a couple other different types of clarinets, the bass clarinet, the contrabass clarinet. Um, and then from there, it was an easy transition to go into saxophone. My brother played a trumpet. I picked up trumpet. So by the time I graduated from high school, I played every brass and woodwind in- instrument and then discovered at that point that there are so many unclaimed scholarships on the tuba. Why not learn that and have that pay for my college? So that's, that's kind of holy cow. That, that that that's what got me into college, and um, because I had See nothing it? else, that was that was what I was going to do for the rest of my life. Yeah, but the parents listening in, we don't learn our critical thinking skills through this through the through math and science. We learn critical thinking skills through the arts. So now what you're doing is you're sharing with us why you've been able to pull off all these amazing entrepreneurial feats and make your dreams come true because you had the competitive spirit still inside of you, the DNA that was, that was embedded in you as an athlete, and then you were able to take that to the next level, up-level that, that competitive pushing yourself beyond your capacity and poten- and reaching your potential and you through music turn it into reality that's pretty significant and by the way I went straight to the trumpet you know when you're playing a woodwind you're a lousy kisser just look at the way your lips have to form to suck on that reed but a trumpet man I went right I went right for the for the for the gigolo man I'm like I blow this baby as hard as I can and as long as I can. Man, my lips swelled up, and man, I was dreaming about being that Casanova. It never happened for me. It happened for you, but it was. It took you longer to catch the vision of the trumpet and and the and the tuba. I, I'm proud of you. You know, you're a little slower than me, but no, the, man, the, look the what happened. The tuba sealed the deal. You know, for my wife. Oh, yeah. As soon as she knew I could, I could blow on one of those, then I all was well. I'm telling you what, man. I played the like I told you the other day. I played the uh, 
I played the uh, the cello in the marching band. It kind of pissed off the guy who had to run behind me with the chair. But yeah, it wasn't all that it was cranked up to be. Anyway, I had no idea you were this this musician. I thought when I read your bio and then consolidated it for the air, I thought you were like a singer. I thought you were into musical theater. But my gosh, you're actually well, you're actually later, a, yeah. First, yeah, foremost, but there are people that only know me as Kurt, the little tiny heart conditioned dude that plays the clarinet, and. There are people that have no idea that I can play any instrument at all. But it was music composition and theory. I was going to be a composer-conductor. That's what my degree was in. I felt somebody had to replace Henry Mancini, John Williams, and that was going to be me. So How cool that is that? The but direction I took it. A lot of people don't realize that the reason why Michael Jackson's music changed pop music forever was because of Quincy Jones. And Quincy Jones is a symphony guy. Quincy Jones is, is, is a, is a brass. He's a, he's, yeah. he's a trained musician. Uh, that's pretty cool with that background. Look what he was able to, to bring, bring out of Michael Jackson, just because of his same background that you seem to, to share with him. Wow. For me at the time being sure, I mean, I was five, four when I graduated from high school, I didn't like um, being the center of attention. And for me, being a part of a, like a football team or a baseball team, I got to do my thing, but I was never really a standout. Being a composer, conductor, I got to write the music and either have my back to the audience while I conducted and created and kind of stand off and watch people enjoy what I created. And for me, that's right. Right was I was finishing college is when I transitioned into um, acting, theater, um, musical theater. I did do a lot of uh, Broadway type stuff. I do sing, but uh, it wasn't until after college that I got involved in that. And again, it was being a part of a collective, a group that would tell a story and, you know, kind of give people um, grandma Hale, Ruth Hale, the Hale Center theater, who was one of the most amazing people to ever have walked this earth. She said, we want people to come here and get an emotional bath Whatever they're going through in life, we want them to forget about it for two hours, and you're a part of that if you do your job. So for me, it was an easy transition from being in front of an orchestra to being in front of a, um, you know, uh, a, a group of people watching a play. Uh, they weren't watching me, but they were enjoying something that I was creating with a group of other people. How cool is that? And ladies and gentlemen, too bad this is a a radio show because I guess you can look on uh, on the post of. Kurt's uh, headshot. He is one handsome dog. He has perfect hair that hasn't moved since 1987. But now I understand why your hair is so perfect because as a conductor with your back to the audience, you were one of the first guys ever in college who actually combed the back of his head. This is so cool. I'm learning so much about the trends that you created as a freaking stud. Okay, brother, let's let's get into um, let's get into acting then. It's kind of a natural segue into acting because you you get paid for being somebody that you're not and yet when you when that when the lights and camera and action stop you have to be you so because i love and respect you so much as a closet philosopher let's let's talk about that for a minute bro i want you to teach us what how you can apparently click on and click off and create this emotional bath as you call it 
for those watching your programs, watching your shows, watching your stage performances, but then when you're off stage, you're the same guy as you are on stage, but in a reality setting. Let's philosophize. Why are so many people afraid to be who they really are? And it sounds like you at a young age had to figure that out. Teach us how you did it and why all of us should do it. That's an interesting question. Um, I've often looked at, and even as recently as today, I get people asking me, how can I, you know, be an actor? What do I need to do? Um, I'll tell you, here's kind of a really quick segue into my first experience doing that. Uh, One of the granddaughters of the of Ruth and Nathan Hale from the Hale Center Theater called me and said, there's a play coming up. I'd never acted before. This is at the end of college, just graduating college, going through at the beginning of a series of four heart surgeries to correct the heart condition I had. I've not, I have not exercised or sweat since that day I went to the hospital when I was 12. And now I'm starting to go through some, some surgeries. And uh, a friend of mine says, my sister's theater is opening or they're doing a play and the lead character is you you are that guy i want you to come audition for it and i knowing that school was going to end by the time this play came around i said yeah you bet find me and i'll come do it well she did she she tracked me down and found me so i go to the theater for the first time in my life i walk into the auditions i sign up and i sit there and watch these people go down and take turns and just explode. I mean, they just, the guy next to me, I'll never forget. His name was Richard. He said he, he drove all the way from Colorado to Utah for this play and this particular role. And they said, uh, all right, Richard, you're up next. And he turned to me and he said, wish me luck. I'm really nervous. Well, he went down and proceeded to march all over the stage, pick up, um, a trunk, rip the lid off, um, everyone gasps. He's out of breath. This goes on for about 10 minutes. I get so nervous. I run outside. I throw up right next to the back door and I get in my car and I go home. So my friend Mary shows up and I'm nowhere to be found. She calls me and says, Kurt, get back down here. I was like, no, I, no, I can't do that. Nor do I have any interest in, I, I, no, I can't. She finally convinces me to come down after everything is over. They invite me back in. I apologize for the flowers outside the back door. I will replace them. They give me a chance to read the script with Mary for about a half an hour. I come out and read it. Just terrible. I was, I was so, I'm sure it was so bad. I thank them, run out the back door and go home and pick up my guitar and start going back to what I know. And that's just music. Uh, they call me and say, Kurt, you got the part. And I say, no, thank you. And I hang up. <laughs> so that game kind of went on for about three days where they would call. And I just said, look, I physically cannot throw up that much because I will. I can't, be, I can't be in front of people. And they said, the director will work with you. We, you have to do this part. Um, so I what was it? Bye bye Bir- what was it? Bye bye birdie. Come on, man. Come clean. No, it was a um, it was a play called See How They Run, an English farce, and uh, just a brilliant uh, comedy. It's been around for about 60, 70 years, and it was just just brilliant. And, of course, when they invite us all to the very first rehearsal, Richard walks in. He got the part of the cop that has one line at the very end, comes in and stares at me, 
and just gets furious and starts yelling like, he got it. You, you got it. You've never done anything before. How'd you get it? And I was like, dude, I'm on your side. I have no idea. <laughs> it's yours. I, that's the last thing I want. Anyway. So I ended up doing the next, uh, seven years of, I did every single play for the next seven years for the Hales. Um, because they just, they're just the best people to be around. And for me, okay. Getting back to the point of, how do I switch that on and off? I, Kurt Downsett cannot get up at the time in front of a crowd and take his shirt off and then run around. But the character, Clive, could. So when I would come out on stage, take my shirt off, get dressed down to my boxers, and then get chased out, they weren't laughing at Kurt. They were laughing at Clive. Kurt was safely tucked away in the back of my mind playing the guitar or the piano or something while Clive was out there making a fool of himself. And I learned the, I learned quickly in the acting business that it's never anything personal. If somebody likes you or doesn't like you, it's, it's them. It's how they relate to you that they either like or don't like. And that was, um, that one took me probably a few plays to kind of wrap my mind around because I enjoyed making people laugh, but no one would recognize me afterwards after the play. And I didn't make them laugh then. So it was, well, I did, I mean, I did with my friends and stuff. We would always hang out and laugh, but there was a strong distinction between the character I was playing and then who I really am. And okay. so I never got offended if something hit or didn't hit while I was out on stage and it's also, Dan, you know, it's, it's a muscle, it's a skill. We can get better at it. We can dive deeper into characters and bring out some of our own personality traits. And there are some that I play a lot of um, bad guys because of, of the way I look. I'm not, I don't have a, a soft, gentle, caressing look about me. I, I kind of have a hard look, so I play a lot of bad guys. Ladies, and he has a million-dollar smile with high cheekbones. He looks like a Viking warrior. Oh, well, Go on. I look like his, his <laughs> little sister, maybe. But uh, it's, um, it's, it's fun to, to be something you're not. Like, I never raise my voice. and I don't yell. I'm not a person that likes to argue or fight. But I've been in plenty of plays where I get to be that and do that. And it's what can Kurt bring to that character, that, that role and almost any bad guy or good guy for that matter, but especially bad guys, everybody thinks they're right. And that's kind of where I come from whenever I play a character, no matter mm -hmm. if he's doing good or bad, he thinks he's right. I love it. All right. So before we go to commercial break, let's reiterate here, uh, friends. I told you at the beginning that Kurt Dowsett answers every time I talk to him. Every time I see him interact with other people, he basically subconsciously answers the three questions everyone wants to know. Why should I listen to you? He has credibility. Can I do it too with my limitations, weaknesses, and strengths? And what do I do next? What you just taught us, Kurt, without really focusing in on teaching us, is the art and science of sales. Sales is the transference of trust. The definition of sales is the transference of trust. And what you just shared with us is that as a sales professional, 
you know, if you're doing door-to-door sales and summer sales for pest control or for solar or, or, or for home security, you have to figure out a way to separate yourself, the person, and the performance. So failure is an event, not a person. And what you're saying is that through your experience on stage, you learned a way to differentiate your real self from the salesperson who perhaps is is getting rejection. So what you just taught everyone who's in the world of sales is that don't take no personally. Is that not what you're saying? Is that you've got to figure out a way to realize that they're not saying no to you. They're saying no to your product or service that you're trying to sell them. And nobody wants to be sold, but everybody likes to buy. So if you can figure out a way to be that authentic self and separate your your real self, the charming, the honest, the trustworthy person from whatever you're trying to sell them, that they will see in you that trust so they'll want to buy. That was kind of a babbling conclusion of what you just taught me. But as we go to the break, kind of consolidate that, that what you just taught us, in my words, is there is a difference between the person and the performance that if you... If somebody says no, they're not necessarily saying no to you. They're saying no to your character. They're saying no to your product or service, not character being character, but the person that you're portraying, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Really quick. I know you gotta, we got to cut to commercial. I have been uh, acting for, uh, you know, 28 years now, coming up on 29. And a uh, hard lesson was, especially in Los Angeles, you go into these um, – auditions and there are 300 guys that look exactly like Kurt Dowsett and we're all there. I have walked out of auditions several in one day where my agent will call me and say, Kurt, you didn't get the part. They said your, your nose was too big and you're not nearly as good looking as they were hoping for, for, for this role. Great. So you go to the next audition and get a call after that one. Kurt, you, you, they, you didn't get the part. You were way too good, good looking for the role. So yeah, your nose, day, your nose, you your nose, your nose is too small. <laughs> exactly. So, <laughs> I, you can't take those personally. One group says you're too good looking. The other one says you're not good looking enough. It has nothing to do with how I actually look. It has to do with their expectation before I even walked through the door. I didn't have already what they were looking for. But the one thing that was consistent is that I didn't have the role when I walked into every single one of those rooms. So I didn't lose anything when I walked out of the room without the role. But some of those, I walked out of the room with the role. So nothing was taken away from me every single time I was rejected or accepted. But the ones that I did get were the ones that pay off. A lot of times it's a numbers game in sales. It's a numbers game. Um, You've heard the saying, some will, some won't, so what next? That is really how it, it is with acting, too. And it has nothing to do with Kurt Dowsett, the five foot four senior clarinet player, who is like the, the real me inside. I, I grew seven inches when I, I moved to France for a couple of years. When I turned 19, when I came back, I was 6'1". People, still, people see a 6'1 guy that works out every day and is on TV. They don't see who's inside that guy, and that's the five foot four clarinet player that really still has a crush on Laura from the seventh grade, you know, not now, yeah. Laura I'm sure has moved on as I have, but I'm still that clarinet player at, at heart. Who's just 
learned that I'm more than just the clarinet player. See, and isn't that cool? As we go to commercial break, let's just ponder one idea. If if you ever join me, if anyone listening join me speaking to an elementary school and you ask a question of of uh, kindergarten, first, second, third, fourth graders, hey, how many of you have a dream? Every hand goes up. Fifth and sixth graders, about half the hands go up. You go into a middle school, uh, about a quarter of the hands go up. You go into high school, how many of you have a dream? It's too cool to raise your hand. And what happens when we're adults is we've stopped dreaming. And when you lose your dreams, you die. That's why we have so many people walking the halls of life who are dead and they don't even know it yet. So uh, my guest is Kurt Dowsett, who has dreams for sale, an American actor, celebrated musician, international speaker, and award-winning television host. We're going to come back and just talk for a moment about, I want to know about your hazard pay on Discovery Channel, that show for a moment. And then as promised, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to get into why in the world are you drawn to investigating the origins of the world's most secret societies. This is Dan Clark, VoiceAmerica.com, Radio Network, the Influencers Channel, and we'll be back in a moment. Don't go anywhere. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. I just got out of a meeting where the unbelievable Dan Clark was the keynote speaker. He is clearly the most interesting man in the world. He's been into space. He reminded us to think bigger. He's a primary contributor to those chicken soup books. And he inspired all of us to make our lives matter. He taught us how to deal with change like he had to when he had to recover from a paralyzing football injury. Everybody needs to hear his message on leadership and safety and how he turns last place NFL teams into Super Bowl champions. Call this number, 1-800-676-1121 and visit danclark.com. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You're listening to The Art of Significance, featuring your host, Dan Clark. If you want to join in on this week's discussion, give us a call at 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop Dan a line via email to danclark at xmission.com. Now back to The Art of Significance. 
Here again is Dan Clark. Welcome back. My guest is Kurt Dowsett. And uh, during my two commercial breaks, I have a long, long list of listeners who have who have weighed in and they want to know specific things. Kurt, how about, as I was curious as well, talk to us about this hazard pay on Discovery Channel because most people hate their jobs. They only look forward to Friday instead of Monday. They think they're paid by the hour when in reality we're paid for the value we bring to that hour. So the question is, what can we do as individuals to add more value to our organizations, more value to our neighborhood, more value to our families. And it sounds to me like hazard pay on Discovery Channel, or you're the host. You experienced everything from being a UFC fighter to a venomous snake extractor. And with your background trying to learn to play every instrument and exploring acting and music and comedy, it sounds to me like you have the answer to how to bring more value and, and, and more excitement to our lives. So in an answer to these requests about you telling us a little bit more about your television experience, talk to us specifically about hazard pay and teach us about the process of how you prepare to, to host and put yourself in the position of a UFC fighter. Did you just sprint? Did you never get hit? Or talk to us, bro. <laughs> Well, I'll definitely tell you about that. Uh, sadly, the fight is online as well, and you can see how that went. But uh, I'll quickly get you into how I ended up there. Um, there was a, a TV show that was really popular called Dirty Jobs, hosted by my, my friend Mike Rowe, and uh, he's he's just amazing at what he does. Most people know who Mike Rowe is. Um, and his show was in, I believe, the third season, and it had become one of Discovery Channel's number one shows. So they wanted to create a, an offshoot of that, and um, so they created a show called Dangerous Jobs. So Mike was going to do dirty jobs, and through this really wacky, crazy process, I ended up with the job. Um, I booked it before, before I even knew that I was up for it. I had not even heard of it when they called me and told me that I had booked the, the job, which is unheard of in today's uh, casting world. No one ever books a job like, like that. They just kept auditioning people. They thought I was pretty close to Mike Rowe, so they kept putting my um, hosting reel in at every audition and saying, who auditioned today that was as cl- as close to Kurt Dowsett as we could get? Because Kurt's kind of what we're looking for for a counterpart to Mike. So after nine months of not finding anyone, somebody had the brilliant idea of just casting Kurt Dowsett, the guy that they compared everyone to. And so I ended up doing all these jobs. We ran three seasons and did uh, over 57 different jobs. And what, what some of the takeaways that I learned from these, these jobs, uh, there were some crazy ones, ones that terrified me. Not too many really, really scared me. And probably not the ones you would think uh, would scare me, scared me. Um, random ones did. One thing I noticed about every single person, cause I would go to their place of employment, whatever it was, I would meet them and then I would do their job with them or for them. And without doubt, with, without uh, a single exception, every single person that I worked with loved what what they did 
and did it better than anyone else. These guys were the rock stars of whatever job they had. They loved it. They lived it. And me putting myself in that same position to do those jobs as them, I had to develop kind of a trait that was a little counterintuitive for me. Um, and uh, really quick, Dan, if you have any questions or if anyone chimes in, please just jump in. But one thing that, that, that I had to learn is that in this day and age, we're so, there's so many things going on, so much noise out there, so many different things pulling at us for our attention and money and everything. And so the buzzword at the time was multitasking. Everyone had to learn how to multitask. You have to do several different things at once really well in order to be successful. What, what I had to do was stop and learn how to effectively monotask. I had one goal. I had one job. I had one focus, and that was to do this new job. And so with every single job I did, I had to stop and I had to monofocus, uh, monotask um, on just the one thing right in front of me. And of course, I would never be as good as these guys did this professionally, as in my UFC fight, I was knocked out in the first 10 seconds of the first round. What um, was her name? I did not. What's that? <laughs> I said, what was her name? <laughs> oh, geez, yeah. Her name was UFC <laughs> light heavyweight champion, Randy Couture. Oh, man, uh, you need a better agent. Yeah, I do. He was so nice about it. He sent me to a day spa the very next day. Um, which yeah, I but who, who paid for your to. plastic surgery and stitches? How long did that take to get those babies yeah. out? <laughs> what, a, what a great, what a great guy. Um, well, when I did the fight, they, in my defense, they said, Kurt, this is obviously TV. We need to get a bunch of angles. So just go 50%, dance around for a while till we get all the shots and then we'll, then we'll, you know, we'll punch in for some close-ups and all this stuff. And I was like, great, let's, let's make some TV, you guys. They immediately went over to Randy Couture and said, we just told Kurt to go 50%. Go out there and knock his head off 100%. And Randy was like, but that's not fair, but happy to oblige. So as soon as they said, let's go, I got, I got knocked out immediately. Woke up on the canvas. Uh, oh, my gosh. Me. So <clears throat> that one scared me. Yeah, they changed the name of the movie. They changed the name of the series from Hazard Pay to Combat Pay. That's funny. Yeah, they should have. Um, but I was compensated well enough at the time that uh, it, it hurt all the way to the bank. You know? That's so funny. Okay, so Venomous Snake Extractor. You know, I promised you, ladies and gentlemen, that we were going to get into his uh, his passion for tracking down the origins of the world's most secret societies. Off the air, I'm going to twist Kurt's arm to get him back as quickly as we possibly can as a guest so we can uh, dedicate a whole show to that. So let's just keep going. Your teaching is so much about following our passion, but monotasking, what a great word you just invented. Take the Discovery Channel program hazard, uh, hazard pay to extracting ven- venom from, from poisonous snakes. Well, that one, I wasn't afraid of snakes before we started. Um, so we fly out to Florida, we go in and we meet this guy who's an airline pilot, but in his spare time, 
he loves to um, extract venom from snakes and send them to the hospitals around the world for anti-venom. He was one of the three in the United States that currently do it at, at, at his level. Um, so we go there and, you know, he just has a room that's about maybe 900 square feet. And he said, there are 7,000 snakes in this room and every single one of them know that you're in here, which kind of gave me the, you know, willies just a little bit. And then we, we go from your, your average little, um, uh, rattlesnake, two foot rattlesnake up to the, all the way up to an albino king cobra. Then we get to the black mambas, the green mambas. And he says, okay, now you're going to milk Elvis. Elvis was a 15 foot king cobra that had more than a foot of his tail chopped off. So we're not, we're not really sure, um, how long Elvis really was, but at the time he was 15 feet and they said, you're going to pull him out of his cage. You're going to grab his head and we're going to get him to bite like you saw me do with all the other snakes. And so as I pull Elvis out, he's so long that I can't keep his head away from me. So he swings up and brings his head as I'm holding part of his body right in the middle. He's about an inch away from my armpit and he's, his tongue just starts to come out and I, I drop him. And I realize right when I drop him that I'm backed up in a corner. And luckily, there, the, the professional snake venom extractor was there, reaches over and instantly grabs Elvis by the head so as to not strike. I must have broken probably 30 or 40 uh, ribs on Elvis and um, <laughs> didn't even realize kind of where I was or what, what was going on. But uh, the only reason I was told that Elvis didn't strike me is because he just didn't want to in that moment. Um, but nothing will teach you how to monotask quicker than holding a 15-foot king cobra. Um, you're not thinking about anything else. Matter of fact, you're thinking of your wife and your kids at that point, but it was, uh, all ended well. Um, and by the time I walked out of that, that room 14 hours later, I was definitely, um, afraid of snakes. That was the quickest fear I've ever learned in my life. <laughs> so apply that to, as we close out this show, apply that to what you're doing now as a proud father of five children. And you and I reconnected as, you are a high school football coach. So full circle, ladies and gentlemen, you started out as an athlete with a passion and a love for football, obviously for soccer, just pushing yourself. And as we talked and I said, so teach me about your focus as a high school football coach. Teach the world what you taught me. What motivates you to coach these kids and what's the, the desired outcome at the end of the year? Even though, ladies and gentlemen, Kurt was part of the coaching staff of a high school that just won back-to-back state high school championships. They averaged over 40 points a game during the season. And uh, I was privileged enough to be invited by Kurt to go down and talk to these young men and see them off the field to see how how... What Kurt teaches them matters more than the scoreboard. 
in the last few minutes, Kurt, talk to us about what matters most to you. Why do you coach and what's your focus as a coach other than X's and O's? Well, I'm, I'm the coach a lot of the parents don't like, a lot of the coaches don't like, and some of the kids don't like because I couldn't care less if we win or lose. Now, winning feels good, but for me, the only reason I got involved in helping out with the, the football team originally a few years ago for my son is that I just saw that the wrong message was being taught and the kids weren't having fun. And the ones that were staying and doing it were doing it for the wrong reasons. My whole thing about football or soccer or baseball is we're going to teach you integrity, responsibility, and accountability. We're just going to use football to do it. It could be, it, it could be landscaping. It could be Boy Scouts. It could be watchmaking. I don't care what it is, but we're going to take these kids and we're going to turn them into young men who have integrity, who know what consequences are, who, who know the value of hard work. Uh, one, one thing that I could tell these boys, I said, you guys, hard work is its own reward. And that sounded so cliche until one of our offensive linemen beat one of our uh, tailbacks in a race because he worked at it. I said, the hard work that you're putting in is the reward. The score at the end of the game, no matter what it is, doesn't matter if we've given if everything we have and if we're better than we were last week. I want to improve every single week. You guys are in competition with yourself right now more than you know, and that's what I want to focus on. And then, you know, owning a comedy club has its perks. That just means we like to have a lot of fun doing it. And um, I think these young men are better young men because of how hard they gave themselves to, to one thing. As we get older, we don't get a chance to focus on one thing. We don't get a chance to monotask as we get older. Matter of fact, multitasking is a must nowadays. But these kids have an opportunity to sit down with football right in front of them with nothing else pulling at them. And the level of commitment that they give to that one thing is the highest level percentage-wise of commitment that they'll give to anything else. So if we can get them at 100% on football, then they know they've created history that they can give 100% to their schoolwork, their families, their work, their relationships, everything. So for me, football was a litmus test of where are we now and where do we need to go and just turning them into young men of accountability. I love it. Oh, yeah. I love we, it. We did some football <clears throat> stuff, too. That's funny. And emerged as the state champions as a result of what you're saying. Definitely. How cool has this Definitely show been? Yeah. So let me just uh, contradict one thing you've said to bring it to fruition. You said that you think everybody has to multitask nowadays. But one of the most powerful messages you've shared with us, bro, is monotasking. I love that word. I'm going to give you credit for inventing it. And what happens when we multitask? Research and the science behind the mind proves true that we can only really entertain one thing at a time. My classic example is when I'm driving in my car and talking on my cell phone, I, my car automatically drives to the airport because that's where it always goes. And unless I focus, 
I will always miss an exit. So I can only really focus on one thing at a time. So in the last 30 seconds, may I suggest, ladies and gentlemen, that we don't focus on trying to be a multitasker. I believe Kurt Dowsett is the best dad I've met. He's the best musician I've met. He's the best actor, one of the best actors I've met. He's definitely the best television host I've met, but he does them one at a time so he can focus on being the best version of himself in that moment. If he's counseling with his young daughter at home, he's in the moment. And therefore, my challenge and my recommendation as we go off the air is that we no longer try our best to be multitaskers. We become jugglers. Because a juggler only controls the ball in his hand. Once he's let go of the ball, he has relinquished control and must only focus on what he can control and not worry about what he cannot control. As I wind up this time with Kurt Dowsett, let's tell us how we can join your tribe, bro. We have about 20 seconds. Is there a, is there a website? Is there some way we can check out you, know, you and, and keep in touch? You're so fascinated. I think people would love to, to join your tribe. Well, the only portal I have right now is Instagram, just Kurt Downsett or Kurt underscore Downsett Instagram. Uh, I'm trying to just focus, put uh, some of the latest adventures where I'm going, what I'm doing there. And, and, and I do interact as much as I can. I try to respond to every message that is a genuine, you know, question or, or, you know, compliment or anything. But that, that's where I'm at right now. All right, ladies and gentlemen, look for his upcoming book. You have no working title yet, but it will definitely be an international runaway bestseller. My uh, my guest has been Kurt Dowsett, and uh, get your family and friends to pull this up on demand as demand as a podcast. And in the meantime, join my tribe, danclark.com is my website. You can get free gifts and training. This is voiceamerica.com radio network, the influencers channel. Keep our military families and military troops in our prayers. God bless America. We'll see you next week. Thanks for being part of the show. Be sure to join Dan Clark next Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time for another edition of The Art of Significance on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Remember, you too can achieve the level beyond success. 